Okay, so we have um, been going through 1 Corinthians for a good verse, but we're starting a new little mini-series today, and it's got a bit of a funny title. We're going to call it, What Should I Do With My Stuff? That's the mini-series. What should I do with my stuff? Okay, so who's got stuff? Who's got so much stuff that the car doesn't get into the garage anymore? There's a few hands going up. I mean, some people have more stuff than others, and some people hoard stuff, and some people can't seem to get rid of stuff. Some people buy stuff. Some people sell stuff, so then they can buy more stuff. And some, I've got a friend who had a double garage completely full of stuff, completely full of stuff. And so he decided that he had to do something about this, so he built another garage. <laughs> true, true story, true story. Some people have their car full of stuff. Some people wish they had more stuff. Some people who are moving house wish they had less stuff. But we've got stuff. We've got lots of stuff. Do you like that picture up there? It's like that person's got stuff. Look, the stuff that we have, often we can think of, well, it's just the stuff that we own. But it's more than that. It's the, it's the money in the bank. It's the, it's the talents and gifts that we have. It's our time. That's all, it's all part of our stuff. So we're just looking... Um, at what should I do with my stuff? I've had a great description of our, of our stuff, the three T's. It's time, talents, and treasure. Okay, so I kind of like that. It's helpful. It helps me to remember but, you know, what my stuff's all about, my time, my talents, and my treasure. So we're going to look at, uh, at this just a little mini thing, maybe three weeks. We've got a couple of weeks. Then we've got our church birthday, and then we've got Father's Day, and then we'll finish off uh, after that. So, uh, But today... Um, I know you've got a message title in your news sheet, but I've changed the message title. We're going to, uh, today's message, we're going to be calling it uh, Givers and Takers. Givers and Takers. All right, and the big question that's going to th- come thrown your way this morning is what sort of person do you want to be? You know, are you a, are you a giver or a taker? Do you want to be a giver or a taker? It's a good question. Right, let's pray, just invite the Spirit of God here again. God, we, we just ask that you'd open our hearts to hear your voice this morning. There's so many voices that would tell us different things when it comes to what we do with our, our time, our talents, and our treasures. God, we want to hear from you this morning. That, that voice that when you just, you just nudge us, you speak to us, and it's, we know it's you, and we know it's, and when we, when we, it, we know it's you speaking. We know it's good. Whatever you say to us will be good. Even though it might be hard, we know it'll be good. So open our hearts to you this morning, God. Come with your presence, with your spirit. God, we're so grateful already that you've been here blessing people, God, with, with comfort, with, with joy, with peace, God, just as we've been together. Continue to do that this morning. Amen. All right. You know, they, when we read the Bible, we... What we find as we read the Bible, it's like an elevated perspective on, on life, on all aspects of life, key aspects of life. It's, it gives wisdom. It, it, gives, it helps us to understand what actually gives life to us. It gives it's smart advice. And this includes the use of our stuff. But there's this punchline scripture when it comes to our stuff that's so, so helpful. It'll be this big overarching thing for these, uh, these, this mini-series is in Psalm 24, verse 1. It says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. 
So if we think that our stuff is our stuff, it's not our stuff. It's God's stuff. But he, gets, he lets us play with it for a little while. It's his stuff. But he lets us play with it for a while. I love this quote from, uh, from C.S. Lewis. I know that if you ever go anywhere and someone preaches and they don't quote C.S. Lewis, you've got to wonder whether it's a real sermon or not because, because he's the man. Okay, C.S. Lewis from a book called Mere Christianity. If you're someone that is exploring faith or you've, you've got to a point, maybe you've grown up in the church, but you're just trying to work out faith for yourself, there's this wonderful book that C.S. Lewis wrote called Mere Christianity. And if you, it's some, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. It's just something to read and just engage with. And uh, it will just be so helpful for you in terms of bringing strength and solidity to your faith. It's just brilliant. But here's a quote out of A Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. And this is the heart, the fundamental principle of Christian stewardship. It's just that God owns everything. And we're just simply managers or administrators uh, of, of what he, he, he gives us. We're just acting on his behalf. And look, when you get this perspective, things change. You move from being tight-fisted to open-handed. Jesus had a whole lot to say about our stuff. A lot to say about our stuff. And I'm going to read one of his stories that he told, which was giving us some real wisdom when it comes to what we do about our stuff. But before we do that, I just want to read you a quote out of a book called The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. And because I need to ask you, here's a question for you, is like, do you believe that Jesus is smart? This is what Dallas Willard says. Saying Jesus is Lord can mean little in practice for anyone who has to hesitate in saying Jesus is smart. He is not just nice, he is brilliant. He is the smartest man who has ever lived. I tell you, sometimes we can think about Jesus a little bit like, uh, like a fairy with sort of love dust. Someone's sick, let me just heal you. And we can think of Jesus as just this kind of mystical floating character. But, we, and, but then what that can do is it can make us just think of him as someone that is actually just, he's just lovely and gentle and nice. You know? But he is smart. He is like Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard is one of the smartest guys I've ever met. And, he, and he's just saying that Jesus understood, fundamentally understood human nature and life and life as it was meant to be lived, life that would lead to fullness and joy and peace, into life that would lead to eternal life with God. He, he just understood it more than anyone ever has. So when we read what he says, let's understand he is smart. He knows what he's talking about. Ignore what he says to your detriment. If you're wanting the best life that you can have, then take what he says 
seriously and work out, what do I do with this? And Jesus said that our stuff is a big deal. He talked a lot about our stuff. Money's a big deal. Our possessions are a big deal. Our talents and our time are a big deal. Let me read you this one story that Jesus told in Luke 12. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. Doesn't sound like a bad idea. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Boy, it sounds, it sounds a bit harsh, isn't it? It's like, come on, he was just trying to, like, store his grain. This is, but this is a punchline here. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And then he carries on, and you've got to realize it's all part of the same story when he's talking about our stuff. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow it is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. So do you live to look after yourself or are you rich toward God? I don't normally put those things as, as opposites. But that's what Jesus is saying. So how do you know if you are a giver or a taker? How do you know? Here's how you know. Can I borrow your chainsaw? What's happening in your heart right now? (laughs) Can I borrow your surfboard? Can I borrow your new jacket? Can I borrow your trailer? Are you a giver or a taker? What's your instinctive response when someone says, can I borrow something and something that you're you're a little bit fond of. Might be a little bit new. A few years ago, I bought a trailer. Brand new trailer. And uh, I, was, I was so pleased with myself. I bought it on, on Trade Me, and the guy says, yeah, just come and pick it up. And I went to pick it up, and it was two wheels and a whole bunch of boxes <laughs> of stuff. 
And, oh, so you've got to put it together. Oh, okay. So how long does it take? He says, I usually talk, takes me about two hours. I'm thinking, like, I'm pretty smart at this sort of stuff. I shouldn't. I should be all right, maybe. You, you do it all the time. Maybe I'll take two and a half hours. It took me seven hours. <laughs> but, um, but we got there. Um, so now I've got this brand new trailer. It's, like, shiny. It's got its cage. It's got, like, a jockey wheel. It's got a little, you can tip it. You know, it was like, it was like, I was like, yeah, I feel like a grown-up. So, um, but, uh, but within a week, a friend of mine says, can I borrow your trailer? I'm like, what? <laughs> um, it's like, I'm thinking to myself, what? <laughs> it's pretty shiny. <laughs> like, um, what if something goes wrong? What if it gets dirty? You know, what if, what if? But like, I stopped, like quickly arrived at this, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's his trailer. It's like I've just, and it was really, it was like, thank you, God, that you've given me the ability to earn money to be able to buy a trailer. And thank you, God, for all of those other people where I've borrowed trailers off up until this point, and they've been very, very generous to me. So, so yep, I decided that uh, when anyone wants to borrow a trailer, my trailer, they can borrow my trailer. So if you want to borrow a trailer, you're very welcome to borrow my trailer. It's not as shiny as it used to be. Okay, I just have to say that. Um, has, has it always gone well with me lending out my trailer? Within the first month, a friend of mine borrowed my trailer, and then they bought it back, and I said, oh, I bought your trailer, went back out, and I said, where's the tailgate? You know the tailgate's the flap at the back of the trailer that folds down and folds back? I said, where's my tailgate? He goes, do you know what he said? He said, oh, no. <laughs> So we unhooked the trailer and he went driving and it was a few blocks away in the side of the road. A few, you know, scratched and dinged. And, uh, but that's all right. Um, another person borrowed my trailer and um, they bought it back and they said thanks and then and off they went. And I went out to see it and, you know, the electrical plug that you plug into the back? Well, that was completely off, but it was just sitting on the, on the drawbar. So, like, that obviously, like, it had broken, and they'd just taken it off and put it there and didn't tell me. So I just screwed it back on, and off we went again. Um, another time, a friend of mine borrowed my trailer. He said, can I borrow your trailer? I need to pick up some piglets. He says, yeah, you're sure you can borrow my trailer? And... Um, so he got the piglets, but what he didn't tell me is that he hadn't finished building the, the run for his piglets. So he just put a whole bunch of sawdust in my trailer, and they were in there for a week. The piglets were in. So when he, when, he finally, when he finally cleaned everything out and gave me my trailer back, the tray that used to be um, a nice shiny galvanized was a nice rusty brown color, and it's still, it's still that color, but it's all right. So... Um, so like my trailer doesn't look like it used to when I first got it, but like I'm all this like it's kind of fun telling the stories because it's like it's really it's okay it's okay. Um, my trailer is just a, it's just I feel like it's a gift, you know. It's been used to deliver firewood to, to needy people. It's been used to help people move its uh, houses. Um, it's and probably more. Um, there was a season when we were doing a lot of things in the church for people. And, uh, and it was often like, Matt, can we use your trailer? Of course you can. Of course you can. Um, I'll tell you something else, too. Sometimes I lend out my trailer, and it comes back better than it went out. 
Like I've got a new tail light where there was a crack in the tail light. Or I've got a brand new electrical plug when the other one was a bit munted. And do you know why? Because I lent it to givers. I lent it to givers. You know, the early church in the Bible, you don't really read too much about how this all happened, but you just read that. They, were just, they, they came to faith, they came to believe in Jesus and said, I want to follow Jesus. And, but, and somehow you just read about this, the church. They just, they, they gave. That's one of the things that dis- distinguished this church. They, they were givers. They were open-hearted and not closed-fisted. It says that they shared everything so that no one was in need. Don't you love that? Barnabas, one of my favorite guys in the Bible. It says, just sort of, you read it, it just sounds like this casual comment. And it says, Barnabas sold one of his fields and gave the money to the church so they could help people. I like Barnabas. I mean, he might have had like 50 fields and sold one. Or he might have had two fields and sold one. It might, might have been his only field. But, but either way, he just thought like, I can, I've, I, can, I can contribute. Opened their homes. Let me tell you something. As, as, your, as your pastor and as your friend, I am very, very concerned with who you're becoming. That is, that is so, so important to me. You know, I want everyone to become all that God has for them to become. And you might think, oh, yeah, Matt, you're, just, you're, Matt, you're more interested in, like, church budgets and, and you know, how the, how the size of the church. I'll tell you, that's, that's small stuff compared to, like, how are you doing? And this is one of these things this morning. This whole thing about becoming a giver and not a taker is so much about the heart. And I'm so, so keen for us to become a group of people that are givers and not takers. I'm not talking about giving to the church. I'm just talking about just that your, your default place in the way you do life is that you're open-handed and not close-fisted. So that's why we're talking about this stuff. And if we're going to be talking about our stuff, we have to talk about money. And don't worry, it's not about like giving money to the church. It's just about money. The Bible, I tell you again, has so much to say about money. But money, it's a little bit of a sensitive topic for a lot of people. Here's what I want you to do now to get over your sensitivity. I just want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them how much you earn. No, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, but you freaked out for like a, a little bit there, didn't you? You, you freaked out because money's a little bit sensitive for us. It's, uh, you know, it's like that's some pretty personal stuff here we're talking about. But again, the Bible has this elevated perspective when it comes to, to money, and uh, which it has to shape anyone that claims to be a follower of Jesus. It has to. Do you know that there's about 38 stories that they call parables that Jesus told in, uh, that we have recorded in our Gospels, which are the accounts of the life of Jesus? There's 38. 16 of them are about money. There's more, he talks more about money than he does talk, than he talks about heaven and hell combined. This is Jesus. He talks more about money and he talks about heaven and hell combined. It's a big deal. And his heart is that he's wanting 
the best for you. That's why he's saying this is good for you. Martin Luther, who is the father of the Protestant Reformation, he talked about uh, three conversions needing to happen when people come to, 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 to God. He talks about the conversion of the mind, the conversion of the heart, and the conversion of the wallet. It's a big deal. And so why does God talk with people about their money and about giving? And because it's like what we do with our stuff is just fundamental to the direction of our lives. Listen to this again, Jesus' words, Luke twelve thirty four: For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if money's that important to who we're becoming, of course God's going to have something to say about it. And one of the things that, uh, again, C.S. Lewis, my good friend C.S. Lewis, Charles Staples, Clive Staples, Lewis, um, he talked about God being a transcendental interferer. A transcendental interferer. In other words, is that God's got this kind of annoying habit of sticking his nose into our private business. Um, you know, maybe you've noticed this. If you've got a relationship with God, is that you're suddenly you just feel like, oh my goodness, I, I need to get this thing sorted out. And it's just God just giving us this nudge. You know, he, he shows up and he speaks to, to us about things like our, like our temper or like our, um, he talks about our, our sex lives. He talks about, he'll talk to us about holding grudges. He'll talk about forgiveness. And, uh, and he talks about our money. Even sometimes we don't even ask him. <laughs> and he, but he nudges us towards things that are going to give life. And he may be, he may be just maybe be using this guy up the front here to, to speak to you. So be open. Don't think like this is meant. Just be open to what God would maybe nudge you on this morning. So let me just talk a little bit about openness, being open-handed around our, our money. And uh, look, this is something that God's people have been doing since the beginning of history. You see that, that there's always been this, this open-handed uh, part of life where there is part of living well is around not holding on to every little penny that comes our way, but there is this, there is this giving part to it. And... Um, it's interesting, uh, Rich Nathan, who um, some of you would have um, met, he came out to, to do the Vineyard Conference. He's got the biggest vineyard church in the world over in the, in the States there. But he's, there's a story that I remember him talking out, I wrote down here, when he was talking with a friend of his who's a Christian financial advisor. And, uh, and it, I wrote down what, um, what Rich said. He said, Rich, Christians come to me looking for financial advice, and many of them have more money than they will ever need. They come to me looking for ways to increase their wealth, but they get incredibly touchy and very defensive when I even hint at putting together a plan for giving some of their money away. But you know, it's hard to be open-handed. It is, isn't it? I mean, you're kind of hearing it and you're going like, ooh, you know, this is it's good, but this is hard. It's hard to be open-handed. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it's hard to be open-handed. This is why I think is the biggest reason why it's hard to be open-handed. It's going to hurt a little bit, okay? It's because you don't have faith in God. Remember when Jesus was telling that story about why you worry 
you worry about tomorrow. You worry about whether stuff's gonna you're gonna get the stuff that you um, that you you think you need that you're looking for. And right in the middle, he says that you of little faith, you worry because of your faith. You haven't got faith. You don't actually believe that God is going to look after you. That's why you don't. You think that, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've, I worked pretty hard. I worked hard for that money. So why would I just give it away? You give it away so that you don't become a tight-fisted, nasty person. So that you have a soft heart, so that you you reflect God's heart. That's why you, you and and you think, oh, but but what if? But if I give it away, it means it's gone. That's where the faith comes in. Is that the promises throughout the Scripture? Is that those that give, it will be given to them. Those that give, it will be given to them. We read it. Seek the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be given to you as well. And he's talking about being open-handed, open-hearted. So when you worry about anything in life, it's always a reflection of your faith. It's a lack of faith, a lack of trust that God is going to look after you. It's gone a bit quiet. So we hoard things. We hold tightly onto our money and our stuff. We're fearful that if we give to others that we might not give anything back. But listen again, this is what Jesus says, says to us. Luke six thirty-eight. Give, and it will be given to you. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We just forget that, or we just don't believe that God can give us anything he wants to give us. Whoever goes faster than the speed limit, None of you. Okay, it's good. Oh, no, there are a couple. Okay. He can decide whether you get the ticket or not on the way home from church. You could go, I'm not going to give anything to, you know, you might get a nudge to say, like, I need you to give your friend that's in, in a tough time, I need you to give him $50. And you're like, oh, I'm not going to give him $50. I worked hard for my $50. And you go home and you get an $80 fine. I don't know if it works like that, but that's the kind of thing, like, God's just so in control of things. And you think, oh, but there was this time when, you know, I did this and then it didn't happen how I thought it was going to happen and I don't think God actually does look, want to look after me. And I'll tell you, there's so much the Bible talks about with regards to sowing and reaping. And like who sows one day and reaps the next day? Like, like actually the, the farming, gardening analogies, the real things. Who plants a seed one day and reaps something the next day? No one. There's always time. And so many people... And it's hard in our culture because our culture is just, it's fast, isn't it? You know, we expect things to happen fast. But anything, you will only see this as you, as you lock into a tra- trajectory and a rhythm and pattern in life. You'll only see this, 
this working for you is that when you, you, you lock into it and, uh, and flow into it over, over a period of time. And why he doesn't give you stuff the very next day is because God's interested in you. He wants to grow you up too. The people that get something straight away are called spoiled. And spoiled people aren't often nice people. Usually self-focused and egocentric, uncaring brats, let's just be honest. But, uh, um, and, and God wants a lot, more than you, a lot more for you than that. Okay? And I've, you know, I've had times in my life when I've given more. I've had times when I've given less. But it, you know, my trajectory has that. I've given in a way that there's been sacrifices that we've made so that I can give. And, um, and I'm very happy with the trajectory. Very happy with, with the stories that we've, we have of God providing for us. But you might think, okay, Matt, okay, like, let's, let's, let's just have a conversation here, Matt. Like, uh, this giving thing, I'm just, uh, I'm pretty young. I think I'm too young to really, uh, to really give. And again, my, you know, my own example was, I remember the first time I got a, a, a holiday job when I was 16 and uh, uh, 40 hours a week, $90. <laughs> yeah, minimum wage, all right. Um, but even then, I decided as a, as a brand new Christian, she's like, I'm going to give. I'm going to give part of this because I, I don't know, I just kind of clicked onto it real early that this is good for me. This is something that's good for me. And the best time to start developing patterns in your life is when you're young. The patterns that result in blessing. Some of you young people, you're going to find that one day you're going to find yourself earning a whole lot of money. And um, develop these patterns now. Decide what sort of lifestyle you're going to choose, what sort of rhythm you're going to choose in terms of your finances. Oh, yeah, but Matt, but like, I'm a poor student. Oh, I'm a poor student, and, uh, and I'll start giving when I've got a got a real job. And and uh, I just like to say, don't don't wait. You know, you earn money in your breaks, and then you um, you know you've got part time job. I tell you, I have to say, I'm so proud of the students that are in our church that are that are giving to the church, and I love it because I just know that that's they're setting a trajectory that's going to result in blessing, both in terms of who they are and what's ahead. And I used to be a student once, and I yeah, I chose to make sacrifices, mainly fashion sacrifices. Um, it's like don't don't ever come around my house and ask to see photos of when I was a student. Um, not not my proudest moments, but uh, um, but I found that like you can get years out of sheepskin slippers with duct tape. It's just I can remember uh, I had a, v- a Volkswagen Beetle. And uh, they get a bit rusty. Um, they're renowned for being rusty. And remember, like, pot-riveting panels on my, the floor tray of my, my beetle just to get warrants, you know. It's like, so I know that, you know, being a student is tough. But I always gave. Always gave. Always a, was a giver. Oh, but Matt, you know, I've got, I've got debt. I've got, like, this big student loan. I'll start giving when I um, pay off my student loan. And it's like, well, how about this instead? Why not, why not start giving? and see if God will make whatever your else has left go further. And see that, because like, there's plenty of people here will have stories of that. How about that? Oh, but Matt, 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 I'm saving for a house. And you know what, Auckland, it's like, it's just gnarly. I'm saving for a house. And here's like, again, you of little faith. Don't you think that God can give you a deal and save $20,000 on your house? 
when you buy it. You know, use your faith. Like I've bought, I've bought three houses in my life, and uh, I mean, I know different people have got different stories, but all of those houses have been uh, preempted by a hugely focused and length, lengthy time of prayer. Like really, like real, like not just like I think of it every now and then and I shoot up quick one this is like lengthy prayer and 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 i like i'd love to tell you just the stories of all three of those houses are, are have had miracles associated but just the second house that we bought we were looking and praying for about two years and one sunday in the newspaper when we used to still buy newspapers they used to have the classifieds there was this tiny little ad little a private private sale of this house there's this little ad and um, we were like, this looks like it is exactly what we've been looking for. And, and we went and saw the house, and we'd signed it up two days, two days, 48 hours later, it was all signed up and done. And I was telling someone about it that, just that same week, and I said, it was just this tiny little ad in the paper, let me show you. He had the exact same paper in his paper pile. And we went, and I said, look, I'll show you the ad. And I went to find the ad and the ad wasn't in his paper yeah God can do stuff with big stuff you might think well what if man what if I what if people aren't wise with the stuff that I give them what, what about that like what if I lend them my surfboard and it comes back and it's got a ding in it you know, what if what if my guitar comes back and it's got a scratch on it so I'm just speaking from experience here. <laughs> um, um, I was at a church years ago, and the pastor said, "Like, I feel like what you guys all need to do is to give money so that I can build a office out the back of my house so that I can do my pastoral work." And I'm thinking, like, so you're wanting us to pay for your like something on your property? And I was going, like, "That's not right." Hey? And I prayed about it, and God said, "Give money." And it's like and it's like God's just saying, like. This giving is more about who you're becoming than it's about all the, you know, it's just chill out. Just, just be open-handed. You might be thinking, like, Matt, are you talking about giving to the church here? I'm, like, I, I'm not really. Um, and I'm just talking about being a giver, the, the attitude of your heart. And, you know, I, I mean, I've got some strong views about supporting your church family, but that's another a conversation for another day. Um, but here's the thought I had this week. I don't know what. Like, if every working adult in the church had bought two less coffees in the week and gave that money to the church, we'd be able to hire two full-time community workers. Just a thought. Just a thought to throw out there. Let me let me just um, try and bring this to a bit of a close here. You know, my hope and my heart is that as a church we become people that are givers and not takers. That's my heart. It's my heart for myself. You know, that, that we, and that as people find God through Coast Vineyard, that they capture that same heart. It's God's heart of being generous, of being a giver, moving from being a taker to a giver. Because giving is about who you're becoming. It's about, it's about learning and growing in faith. 
in God, his provision and his care for you. It's about learning to be open-handed and not tight-fisted. It's about seeing the reality of the promise that we reap what we sow. It's about having stories where we celebrate God's miraculous provision for us. I read this just in my Bible readings this week in James. And he said, um, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And like I say, this is, this is, what, this is the teaching of Jesus. It's the counsel of our scriptures. You know, in, uh, in Luke 19, we read this story of a, I call him a funny little man, um, Zacchaeus. And uh, I don't know if you know the story of Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, and you know what they're like. Um, they used to, tax collectors were, they kind of were a bit of a law unto themselves where they would charge people, and they would charge them a little bit extra, and they'd put a the little bit extra in their pocket, and it was, you know, they, were, they weren't really that um, your favorite people. And, um, but he'd heard about Jesus, and he heard Jesus was in town, and he was a short wee fellow. And uh, so he thought the only way we we're going to get to see him is he say, climbs up this tree and, and, uh, and Jesus spots him. And Jesus says, like, hey, I'm going to come to your house for lunch today. And you know what? In, the, in that process of encountering Jesus, he's, he caught a picture of the love of God. And somehow in that process... He changed. It was like just immediate. He went from being a taker and just turned right around and became a giver. It's incredible. It's an incredible story. He says this. He says, look, Lord, here and now, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Like, what happened? He just went from being a taker to a giver when as he encountered this love of God and Jesus said today salvation has come to this house and Jesus doesn't say salvation came because he made some decisions about giving but Jesus could see that this man's heart just changed he just changed from being focused about taking things for himself to having a heart for God which we read Jesus talk about earlier didn't we about are you someone that is storing up things for yourself or are you someone that is warm towards the things of God? And something in his heart changed and and giving just flowed out of his heart. He just spun on the spot. He realized that actually I've been living my life all wrong, but this is where life makes sense. And what I want to put out to you right now, just as we finish, is that Today could be your Zacchaeus moment. You know, you know who you are. You know what's what sort of person you are. You know if you're a if you're a taker or a giver. But what what would you want the trajectory of your life to be? And if you're a taker, why not today draw a line in the sand and say, I'm turning around. I'm turning around. I want to grow towards the things that give me life and light and faith and joy and peace. I want to be a giver.